Welcome back to the Rebuildable Podcast alongside Drew Stevens. I'm Matt Gentile. Drew, how you been, man? It's been a little bit. I'm doing pretty good, man. Excited to be back on the mic with you. I feel like it's been forever. Definitely feels like it. I know we we took a little bit of an extended break, had an episode, but you know, we're in that the dog days of the NBA offseason, so it's it's kind of hard to just, you know, scramble together things to talk about, but we're we're making it work. We're making it work today. Um and of course, like anything's better than, you know, trying to just rehash Bears football again. So I'm I'm cool doing this. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. The, we the 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 grief has already you know reached crazy levels, and we are not even at week two yet. So one game into the season, one, <laughs> and we're already pining for Bulls basketball. <laughs> How low Chicago sports teams have have gone. Shout out to the Chicago Sky, though, who earned a playoff berth and yeah. um, will represent the city in that way. But And, and the Cubs as well. But um, mm-hmm. I think that still has yet to be decided. But it looks like they're going to be at least headed to the wild card, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it, it you know, dropping two of, of three to the Rockies – over the last few days doesn't help, but it does look like they're lining up to get, you know, at least a wild card spot. But yeah, shout out to the sky. You know, you think about the situation coming into this year, losing, you know, good number of players from your championship core, your head coach in the middle of a season, and you, you still find a way into the playoffs. So congratulations to the sky. They have a round one matchup against the, the aces coming soon. I know that's a, it's a tough matchup to draw, but, I think it's a, still a big accomplishment given what happened to them this year. Absolutely. Talk about resolve, man. Yeah. <laughs> Need to spread some of that around some of these other teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, we, you know what? If we could get some of that in our bears, our bowls, uh, send like 10 of those doses to the white Sox, maybe. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> a common theme, a couple of Reinsdorf organizations need them. <laughs> Um, but we wanted today to get into, uh, just a, a couple things that have popped up here. And, and one of the big things, um, that, you know, Drew and I have, have looked at, and we had this conversation actually with the Bulls gold crew, uh, a few weeks ago when we were on their podcast, shout out to Salim Sudarwala and, and Edward Schuler over there. Um, we talked a lot about the schedule after it was released and, you know, there was a really good article. Uh, written by Elias Schuster from Bleacher Nation Bulls. Elias has been a guest of the Rebuildable podcast uh, a few times. And his piece was actually really good about how these first 25 games of the season are going to say a lot about the Chicago Bulls. And Drew, it's a very roller coaster experience if you look at the if you look at the schedule there's some some interesting peaks and valleys in those first 25 games. Yeah, there really there really is. Um, I think Elias spoke to the fact that they have the ninth as of right now in this, you know, we'll change when the games actually are played. But as of right now, the Bulls have the ninth hardest schedule in terms of their first 25 games of the, of the schedule. Um, you've got 13 of them at home, 12 on the road. I believe I counted five back-to-back sets. Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll actually start and finish their season series with the Heat within that first 25 games, which is crazy to think about. That's nuts. 
Um, they've also got three games against the Bucks, two against the Magic, um, and two as well against the Nets and the Raptors. Um, and that's just accounting for the Eastern Conference teams, mm-hmm. not to mention the two games they'll play against the defending champion Nuggets and uh, two games against the Thunder, including opening night, mm-hmm. and a game against the Phoenix Suns, the new-look Phoenix Suns with their – you know, what should be a high-powered offense between Kevin Durant and Devin Booker and Bradley Beal. But um, it's it's going to be critical, I don't think, you know, we're breaking any news here, for the Bulls to get off to as best a start that they can get off to um, just to kind of maybe stave off any ro- any significant roster changes that, you know, a, a poor start could produce, you know, we're talking, you know, maybe them looking at trading one of the big three um, if things were to get off to a, a terrible start. And I'm looking at DeMar DeRozan and, and, and Zach Levine, especially just because, you know, the trade banter around Zach, you know, it, it, it goes cold a little bit, then it warms up again. So he seems to always – kind of be in the conversation in terms of a guy that could be moved. And then, of course, with DeMar DeRozan um, entering the last year of his deal, not yet having agreed to an extension with the Bulls, uh, has yet to be known if the two sides will come to an agreement on an extension. So, I mean, it's, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot riding on this first 25 games. And, you know, you wonder how much more emphasis – the head coach or the coaching staff, the players will put into um, getting off to a better start than they did last season. Um, I tweeted out uh, a couple of days ago that at the trade at uh, the trade deadline last season, the Bulls were twenty six and twenty nine, I believe. So, in my mind, it's 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 more about how much better of a pace can the Bulls set for themselves in the weeks, months leading up to the trade deadline than they did last season. You know, I, I think we're all, most of us are in agreement that they'll be better next year, but how much better and how much sooner can you be better um, with this schedule that is on the docket these first 25 games? Yeah, and like in that first 25, and we talked about this again with the Bulls Gold Crew, and I, I want to bring it to our listeners here at the Rebuildable Podcast, like, there's winnable games in that stretch where you you if, if you're the Bulls you should take care of business. Like you have to given the the tough start you get to the season here. So, you know, after that opening night matchup with Thunder, you know, you have the Raptors at home, you're on the road against the Pistons, you're on the road against the Pacers and the the Pacers are much improved. So, you know, it, it that's not going to be easy, but you know, if, Right now, today, if we stack the rosters up against each other, I feel like, you know, I'd give you that slight edge to come out and, and try to get a win and stack it up. You know, mm-hmm. you get then the, the Nets at home, get the Jazz at home a couple of nights later, you know, Pistons again at home, uh, back to back at home against the Orlando Magic. Now, you need to win that game. And the only problem is like last year, these were the kind of games that the Bulls found their way to lose, right? Like they lost two matchups against the Magic at home last year. So, 
it's it's crucial that you do get those wins. And I would even say, like, you mentioned about the the Heat, and that's such an interesting, like, quirk in the schedule there where they're going to be playing Miami twice, or excuse me, four times. And, you know, they have the, like, again, home and home, or excuse me, uh, two back-to-back games at home after they have two back-to-back games at home against the Magic. They then play two against the Heat. Um mm. And, you know, you did show that when you played the Heat, you could you could beat them. So I because I, I, I get it. They were the defending champs, but like they're would you say they're still beatable, though, if you're the Bulls, like given how you played them last year? Is that fair? In, to the, say? Regular, in the regular season, absolutely. Uh, mm-hmm. They swept the season series from them last year, uh, three games to, to none. Um, so I think they definitely are beatable in the regular season just because we all know that, you know, <laughs> Jimmy Butler particularly yeah. is not necessarily getting up for regular season games in November <laughs> like he is for playoff games come um, the spring. No. And add, add to that the fact that, you know, they're still chasing after Damian Lillard. That, with, I was with just going to ask that. I, yeah. <laughs> are they beatable with Damian Lillard, though, like, does that change the equation? Because you you always know that guy seems to get up for it doesn't matter what kind of game it is. I feel like it could be, you know, January 1st or it could be October 28th and he's going to get up for a game. I feel like that's that's just who he is. Yeah, I think I would still say yes. And again, just the regular season. I'm just speaking to that mm-hmm. portion of the schedule. Um, I think that. The Bulls can maybe lean on <laughs> the continuity that they have within their main group and the fact that they brought in two guys who are veterans. They know how to play. I don't think it's going to take them long to acclimate to what's going on here in Chicago while, you know, you're adding a big fish to the Miami Heat and you're throwing in a ball-dominant player with a team that likes to move the ball around and, and has gotten accustomed to playing a certain way. Uh, through Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. And I think that might take a little longer to mix as opposed to what the Bulls are are working with. So I think in in terms of regular season games and especially the four games that these two teams are going to play against each other um, before Christmas, I think that the Bulls can definitely beat the Heat for sure. What do you think this team has to be after that 25-game stretch? Because, you know, Elias pointed out they have the fifth easiest strength of schedule from December 17th to the end of the year. Now, there's still some difficult matchups there. Mm-hmm. But in those first 25, like, ideally, what do you think the Bulls record needs to be? Man, low bar. I just want them to be over 500. Mm. So, uh, forget all of this. Um, doggy paddling, trying to keep your head above water, struggling mightily just to get to 500. You know, I need them to be at least a game over 500 after those 25 games on the low end. I think that's that's where I am with that. I haven't gone through and kind of predicted where they might go or, or where these wins might come for them. But, you know, again, just kind of throwing out just just be at least a game over 500 after these first 25. So 13 and 12 after December 16th. I think that's fair. I really do. Like that's I don't think that's asking too much. 
maybe my standards are a little too high for this team, but like, I don't think that's asking them too much to try to get to that mark. You know, like I, I think there's, it's hard with the bulls, right? Cause I could easily see like, yeah, I could see them winning this game, this game, this game and, and getting 13 and I can easily mm-hmm. spin it and say, well, there's a way I can even see them being, you know, 10 and 15. So <laughs> it's, I think that's that's kind of like the position we're in, in now as Bulls fans. But um, I think the, the conversation we were having with the Bulls gold crew, too, and not to keep rehashing that conversation, they pointed out, and especially Salim, that there's games in there where you can start looking at some of those Eastern Conference opponents and saying they're beatable. Like the Eastern Conference is not as maybe stacked or scary as it was last year or the year before. So... I mean, I get that. Like, there's certainly drama happening with Milwaukee, and Milwaukee's getting older. You know, we mm-hmm. know that. We talked about Miami a little bit there. Um, so, you know, I, I kind of understand that, too, that, like, you know, it might look scary now, but once we tip off at the beginning of the year, it, it might look a little different when we get into November, December. Yeah, I think Salim was a little bit more confident than I than I am um and again I think we've kind of been beating this drum all summer since they made the offseason acquisitions of Javon Carter and Tory Craig like they're gonna be a better team I do believe that but you know I just don't I, I'm not gonna look at the their games against the Pistons the Pacers the Nets um or the magic and just feel like, okay, this is a game they definitely are going to get. And maybe I'm just kind of jaded by what I've seen from this team the last two seasons where you're not quite sure what you're going to get on a game-to-game basis. I just – I can't say with any certainty that they're definitely going to beat those teams. Um, you know, Detroit has – all these teams have improved to some extent. Um, and we spoke to it. Uh, off camera about how hard the Orlando Magic play the Chicago Bulls ever since the trade went down between um, these two teams and Wendell Carter Jr. and Nikola Vucevic switching sides. Like, you know, you got an up-and-coming Pistons team who's probably not going to come this season, but we do expect them to be better than they were uh, last year, obviously with Cade Cunningham, um, you know, being in the lineup presumably. So um, it's, it's, it's not going to be easy, man. And I, I guess that speaks to the whole fact that they have the ninth hardest schedule as of right now. Like mm-hmm. these guys still have a lot of approving to do showing and proving to do um, individual players have a lot of showing and proving to do the coach, Billy Donovan, his coaching staff, same thing with them. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm kind of just in wait and see mode for sure just to see how this thing looks when it comes together. Yeah. And it's, it's definitely like all of this is going to be important because like we've said before, and, and as you pointed out on, on Twitter X or whatever the hell you want to call it these days, um, you know, there's a lot that, that you kind of have to see leading into the deadline. And, and as you pointed out, they were 26 and 29 mm-hmm. last year. So there's 24 games after that 25 game stretch before the February 8th deadline. And I guess if you look at the way it sets up after that, 
Um, I don't know if you want to like for your reference pull up the schedule, but how difficult do you think that stretch looks just on at first blush? Because there's some interesting matchups there from like December 18th on. Um, you have those three games against the Sixers over like a, a couple week span. Um, you know, again, matchups against Cleveland, the Knicks, um, the Warriors at home. Um, you have, you know, the Grizzlies at home, the Lakers, uh, I think twice in that stretch. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's some some stiff games there. And I think even want to see i think i only see like again a game against the kings too so some some tough games on the on the schedule there before you head into the deadline any thoughts on on what you see there are you kind of like you know first blush like what's your initial thought kind of the same thing as with that first 25 that we talked about it's a little bit um up and down i think it's just a parody of the league not necessarily parity in terms of there's a, a bigger number of teams who have legitimate chances of winning the championship or competing for a championship, but just parity in the sense that it's not many teams you're going to walk into a game with and just, we know we're going to beat this team. And at least with the, in the Bulls case, you know, the only team that really comes to mind where it's like, this, this is a game. I feel like I can, I can I can sharpie them in with is maybe the Hornets, you know. Um, mm. And while I think they should be able to beat the press, the teams like the Pistons, um, the Washington Wizards of the world, yeah, I just don't feel like man. And again, the Wizards are another one of those teams that that just seem to give give the Bulls fits. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's just tough, man. And you got it. You got these games thrown in against teams who are more of the upper crust of the league. You got back to backs factored in. It's just like, mm-hmm. man. Um, again, this team just has to capitalize on you know every advantage that they can get. Well, and it's it's interesting. So there's in that stretch they have 13 of those games at home. Right, so, and that's that should be an advantage to you. We know with this bulls team, it's like, eh, it might not matter that much, but I think going back to the first 25, I think that will tell us a lot as we go into that stretch too. that 24 game stretch before the deadline. There's some intrigue of like, how do the bulls respond to opponents? They should beat, And how do they get up for, for teams that are part of that upper crust, right? Like, do the changes that they make maybe help reflect that? Do we see those you know, extra steps taken from Kobe White and Patrick Williams that maybe start to make those kind of matchups and, and kind of make those matchups where, you know, they're taking care of business against opponents they should take care of and stepping up against the, the upper echelon of the league. And if that does happen... Then I think we kind of know, like, all right, well, this team, they they flipped the narrative a little bit. You know, they're more like what they were in early 20, you know, 21, 22 season than they were last year. Right. So mm-hmm. it, that's what I think is going to be very interesting to see in that 
you know, roller coaster rough stretch to start the year, those first 25 games. I think it's going to tell us a lot about this team and the narrative that we're probably going to have as a fan base for the rest of the year. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's not going to take long to <laughs> for for us to either, you know, feel like our expectations were too low or just right <laughs> or not high enough for this team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's interesting too. Like we, we've talked about this too. There's so many interesting quirks in this schedule, man. Like the the whole back to back thing where they're hosting the Heat two straight games at home, and that's you know before they or excuse me, they're they're hosting two straight against the Magic at home, then hosting two straight against the Heat, like yeah. four straight games at home, <laughs> and against two opponents. It's it it's an interesting kind of quirk in the schedule. And then that whole thing with, you know, again, they'll face Miami two straight games in Miami. Like it's very split. (laughs) Yeah. Like, yeah, shit. If you come out of those games with splits, that's great. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you you take that, but wow. Like um, (laughs) just interesting ways that they've set up the, the schedule here. Um, I do want to get into, I guess, one kind of oddball question based on the schedule. Um, you know, those upper crest teams we're talking about. Which one do you think takes the biggest step back this year in the Eastern Conference? And I think we've we brought it up again. And this was a, a Bulls Gold question, but um, it's been a few weeks and like, you know, we've seen some of these Giannis rumblings that I think we'll get to later. But is there a team that you think is, is poised to really take a big step back that maybe the bulls can kind of jump on. I feel like the, the easy answer, the cheating answer is the heat. Mm. Obviously they finished what seventh, but obviously made it to the NBA championship. So I don't, I don't know when you, I'm assuming you meant just in terms of how they finished the season in general, not necessarily just the playoff or the regular season. Yeah. How they finished the season in general. Cause like I, I would say, yeah, like, you, you got to kind of give the, the heater sort of like kind of change that because of the fact they made it to the NBA finals. So, um, but we can take the heat out of it if you want, just because of, you know, some of the limitations we know they had during the regular season. If, if you want. Yeah. Um, now, <laughs> now then it becomes a little dicier to kind of pick, um, because I think be- between Giannis having that offseason uh, cleanup surgery on his knee and, and the Bucks having a new head coach, the Celtics shaking things up with their team, Philadelphia and what what's going on with them and James Harden. I will probably say, if, if I'm just looking at those three, of those three teams who would take the biggest step back, I guess I would say maybe Philly. And and when we say big step, biggest step back, I'm thinking of maybe just two steps back at the most. Like I don't think any mm-hmm. any of those three teams are really gonna fall too far. Um, if at all. But I guess my pick would be Philadelphia. Yeah, I, I think that's where I'm leaning too. Like I I wonder what's gonna happen with this whole James Harden situation. Like do you think that that whole situation is just being held up because we're waiting for the Dame domino to fall and everyone's sort of hesitant to, 
you know, make those other kind of recoil moves. I'm kind of surprised it's taking so long, or has he become so toxic at this point? I think it's it's probably a combination of all those factors, man. Um, and it just, it just doesn't seem like there's much of a market, more so for James Harden. Um, obviously, both of these guys have kind of called their own shots in terms of where they want to go, but um, it feels like James Harden's market is much more um, you know, smaller than what Damian Lillard's could be. I know he's, you know, got it made up in his mind that he wants to go to the Heat, but um, you know, remains to be seen what's going to happen there. I just, I don't know, man. With 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 James Harden, and you got this thing where uh, if he doesn't report to camp or he doesn't honor his contract, there's, there could be some heavy fines coming his way. So his his options don't really seem to be extensive. You know, is either show up to camp or you know lose a, a crap ton of money um, trying to prove a point. So they're at kind of a stalemate there. It doesn't seem like the Clippers are interested in giving the Sixers what it is they want um, in return for Harden. So I think it's a mostly a combination of things, but um, also just the lack of kind of avenues for this thing to go with the, with the Sixers. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. I'm kind of got my eyes set on, on what's going to happen there in Philly, because I, I do think they're the, that top part of the Eastern conference from a year ago. Um, I think there could be a little bit of a shuffle, but you know, um, I get a sense. There's going to be a team that takes this, this step in that we're not going to expect. If you had to pick a dark horse for a team that maybe fell outside of the top four, mm-hmm. um, that could jump into the top four, who do you think it would be? That fell out of the top four could jump into the top four. Um, <laughs> I would say probably the Knicks. Mm. I would say the Knicks. I don't really see the Nets um, getting any higher than six unless Ben Simmons just turns into the phenom he once was. Um, I'm not a huge believer in Atlanta. Like, I think they're right there in that group with the Bulls. Uh, I feel like Toronto maybe has fallen out of that group slightly. Um, Obviously, we've talked about the Pacers and how much better they look on paper, but I don't think they'll make that big of a jump to where they land in the top four. Cleveland was already the fourth seed last season. So, yeah, I think it's, it's got to be the Knicks for me um, in terms of the last team to to get into that top four spot. What about you? Um, Man, there's part of me that wants to be bold and say the Pacers, although I just said to you, I'm like, eh, you know, on paper, the Bulls should beat the Pacers. Um, mm-hmm. And I think I could see a scenario where early in the season, maybe there's, you know, they're trying to gain their footing. They're such a young team that maybe by like you know, post all-star break or well, not post all-star break, but maybe once we get past that halfway mark of the season, they might get a little hotter. I, you know, but I'd have to look at how their schedule shapes up. It, that would be like my bold, bold, bold take. But mm-hmm. I think my safe bet would be if, if Dame Lillard ends up on Miami, that the Miami heat end up there, that they, 
they end up taking a, a step in. I don't buy the Knicks. I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm just, maybe I'm a hater, but I like, and I love what, what Jalen Brunson did last year. And I thought like his addition to that team was, you know, it, I think it, it changed the, like the whole outlook of, you know, in, in one year, but I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't buy it. I just, I've always been a fan of Thibs, but I feel like there's always a shelf life. And it seems like that's coming. It could be coming soon. Usually it's like a three to five year window before it starts running thin. So for sure, I think that's definitely a fair point. But I I wonder if that clock has reset because they went out and got Jalen Brunson Mm and Josh Hart. And now they've got um, Dante DiVincenzo. So you got guys who kind of are from that that grind mentality who you know, may help rekindle the fire that, that to have started and may that's help a, it a little bit longer. That's a fair point too. Like, you know, in Chicago and in Minnesota, there really wasn't that big reset. Like I guess with the Timberwolves, you did have like the Jimmy Butler trade that did kind of change their expectation level a little bit, but it was always like the same cast of characters. And that that's a really fair point to make that like a big acquisition like Jalen Brunson adding Josh Hart like that did kind of flip does flip the roster a little bit where maybe it, it buys him a little more time. So um, I, maybe, maybe I should, should stop being a hater on the Knicks, I guess. No, no. Hey man, look, it's, it's opinions, man. We, we, it's true. Our, our opinions and they're there. True. For... <laughs> true. I just think sometimes I'm irrational. Maybe that like, that's what I'm trying to admit that there might be some irrational hate there. Um, but yeah, like, and it kind of gets me thinking, like when I look at that and this is where the meathead in me starts coming and goes, why can't the bulls do that? Like you start looking at that, like middle portion. If you, if you just look at like last year's standings, I think the, the Pacers and magic are one of those threats to take one of those, you know, spots in the top 10 mm-hmm. and, you know, are those teams more playing ready than they are playoff ready? And I mean that in terms of playoff seeding versus play in seeding. So I don't know, like, could, could the bulls do it? Could they get into like the top six? I, I think that's definitely in the realm of, of possibility of things kind of can perfectly for them not even perfectly but just more in line with how they how they started the 2021-22 season Mm -hmm. um you know maybe they can do some things to catch teams off guard to start the season and um give themselves enough of a cushion to not have to battle it out in a playing tournament scenario um so yeah, I think it's in the realm of possibility. Uh, for me, I, I think I would have them in terms of their ceiling, like somewhere in the five or six range. Hmm. Not sold on them being able to host a playoff series, but you know, if if <laughs> if guys take steps forward, you know, the Kobe Whites and Patrick Williamses, and even the Ayo Desumus of the world. Uh, if you continue to get solid production from Nikola Vucevic and DeMar DeRozan 
and Zach Levine plays smarter, um, gives you a little more off the ball defensively. Billy Donovan and his staff cook up some new ways to make this offense go. I mean, I think it's definitely in the realm of possibility. I feel like I just gave you seven ifs, but <laughs> no, and it and like that's that's the thing. Like it usually when you say you know ceiling, it it does kind of require everything to hit at once, mm. right? So, I mean that that tells you like that's that's the max is five six. What would be your floor? Uh, ten. I I honestly do not see this team missing the playing tournament. Like. Mm. I, I do not see that happen. Only way I see that happening is if they get off to a terrible start and they start selling off pieces and just kind of punt on the season. Hmm. Yeah, and I think that that is a a possible scenario. But like in a vacuum, right now as we sit here on September thirteenth, I'm I'm with you. I, I feel like floor is ten, ceiling is somewhere in that that like low end of the locked in playoff teams. So again, mm-hmm. like. You have to be one through six to clinch a spot in the playoffs. And then seven through 10, you're in the play in. So like, I, I do think they, they would be probably at their very best somewhere in that five, six spot. I agree with you on that. Um, but anyway, anyway, like to kind of put a, a bow on the, the schedule discussion, um, I did want to get into um Another topic, because I know, Drew, we we talked about we want to do a a little bit of a a fun exercise doing some power rankings in the Central Division. But I want to throw actually one surprise topic on you. (laughs) Actually, I thought about this because of something you had kind of thrown out on Twitter. So there's now two players that hit the market. All right. A rim protector in Nerland's Noel. And a point guard and former bull, but much improved since his days in Chicago campaign. Question for you. Mm-hmm. Of those two, who would you rather have on the Bulls roster if, if you can get him at, at a good price? Nerlens Noel, just because that guard room is already crowded, I think the things that campaign gives you is already being provided by another guard in Kobe White. Um, and you know, in terms of the things that this team is still missing, you know, maybe that bona fide lead point guard and a rim protector. You know, campaign is not the type of guard who I think of when I think of like somebody who can organize sets and make sure the right people are getting the ball and just kind of changing up the Bulls offense where Zach and DeMar are not the ones having to initiate the offense all the time. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I haven't seen enough of campaign. Um, You know, anybody who was listening to this and, and tell me otherwise, please do in the comments. But um, for me, it would be Nerlens Noel. And I know that he didn't play very much last season. Um, he's getting long in the tooth, but it would be a gamble on him 
giving this team just doses here and there of rim protection that they don't really have. Um, obviously, he's not really – you're not looking for him to give you much offensively, although I think he can provide, you know, a, a vertical threat for this team, maybe a lob threat. Um, but he was seen like a low-cost maneuver. And, you know, God bless Carly Jones, reigning G League um, MVP, uh, had a stellar FIBA showing with um, South Sudan. But I don't think there's really a home for him here. And the money that you may allocate toward him, if you decide to ride with him and guarantee his contract through the season, I think would be better spent for this roster and its needs on Nerlens Noel, who can give this team something that it doesn't have. Even if he's not an everyday center and it's matchup dependent, like at least to have that option to go to, you know, he's, he's more of a rim protector um, than Andre Drummond, than Nikola Vucevic. And he, he can, again, give you little spurts possibly of something that this team has lacked for at least the last two or three seasons. I'm like 100% lockstep with you. Cause one of the things I was going to say was I was shocked at some of the reaction just on, on, Bulls Twitter and, and kind of reading some of the, the thoughts once campaign was released. I, I never really looked at him as like, and again, when I say like ever, like really within the past few seasons, I think he's become a really solid role player, but I don't see how he's like that game changing point guard that we've talked about. Maybe the Bulls still adding if, you know, they want to use like the disabled player exception if they're really cooking to start the season. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see that with him. I don't think that's the kind of role he fills. And I think then it's just more redundancy of what you get right now. I'm 100% with you. I, I would take the gamble on Nuren's Noel at the at a cheap price. Like, why not see if you can get a, a little pop every now and then from a guy that we know can at, at the very least protect the rim for you. Like, if you needed to lock things up against a team that's a, a great guy to have just kind of come off the bench when you need it and and really do it in, in small spurts. Like, doesn't have to be a guy who's part of your regular rotation. If he plays himself into it, great. But, you know, I feel like it's a, a good guy to keep around. Like, you could do worse. You could, could get like a, a Tony Bradley 2.0 if you want. Or <laughs> I'd rather have a Nerlens Noel. And that's just me. But yeah, like I, I went with you and I, I saw you, you know, hinting to it on, on, on Twitter the last, you know, day or so just kind of teasing that idea. I saw, I think one, one uh, person replied to you with like a, no, please don't was, <laughs> like very straightforward. Yeah. That guy doesn't want him. <laughs> yeah. And again, you know, everybody's entitled to their opinions. Yeah. He's not a world beater. He's had some injury issues and, like I said, didn't didn't play much last season, but I just think for the cost, it, it's worth it. Um, mm-hmm. Especially if you're talking about trying to keep Carly Jones on this roster, who is look, man, there's no way in hell Carly Jones is getting into the rotation. Like we've talked about this before, like it, it doesn't even look great for Ayo Desumu. Like, why would Carly Jones be <laughs> in any better position to crack the rotation? You know, just yeah. just go for something, a skill set that is not present on this team that could possibly 
um, improve, improve this team, um, you know, just strengthen it, strengthen the infrastructure of this team. Why, why not do that? I a hundred percent agree. Like you could easily, you know, just with him, you, you have more options at your disposal in terms of, of size, which is something they're lacking right now. You really only have Vooch and, um, Andre Drummond. That's it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think why not give yourself just something a little, a little extra, a little wild card to have at your disposal. And you never know, like injuries happen during a season and, I get it. The NBA is trying to, you know, get rid of incentives for resting certain, you know, top guys. But I mean, still, people get banged up. So you might might need that at some point this year. And that's the one thing. Like, if if Vooch goes down, like you're really what you you basically just have Andre Drummond and that's it. And I know the game is moving away from you know position basketball, but mm-hmm. You still need some guys that can that can protect the rim or give you size every now and then. So I'm with you. I, I would do that over keeping Carly Jones on the roster right now. So yeah, yeah. No, nah, I just you know all love to campaign, but I, I think this decision or this answer to my answer to your question is a, is an easy one. Well, and you might get more camp competition for a campaign. I think campaign could end up on a on a contending team as a role player. You know, like I think there there'll be interest for him with other other teams that maybe are a little more competitive than the Bulls. So I think he'll have some probably some options. Oh yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, I don't I'm not um hip to the rules necessarily, but I wonder if there's even a chance for him to return to Phoenix. Yeah. I I kind of wonder with that, like, I, I don't know if there's like anything that would restrict that because he just got traded from there. And like, you know, I wonder if he's going to be willing to like commit to a, a vet minimum type contract. I would think he would, but you never know if there's competition. He, he might might not have to. Yeah, even like a team like a Lakers, you know, they, they could always use more three point shooting to put around um, LeBron and AD. I, I mean, I don't. <laughs> He's he's not known for his defense necessarily, and they've already had a a pretty good off season um, by most accounts. But you know, um, for what he could provide that team and his playoff experience that he he got while he was with the Suns, I think could be invaluable for them. But um, I think you're right. I think there will be some suitors for him for sure. It'll be interesting to see like where where he ends up, but. Yeah, I don't. And again, with with this question I threw out there, I don't think there's like any, you know, reports like linking them to the Bulls. Um, you know, I haven't seen anything you know, in regards to Noel at all. But yeah, it's it's just some interesting fodder for for you and I here because you know those those kind of happened so close together that I I wanted to ask you about that. Um, but let's get to the fun exercise that we were gonna uh, do here today. So. You know, we talked about the the schedule and everything, and and there's plenty of of opportunities where we're going to see the Central Division early on for the Bulls. So of course the Bulls are in the Central Division. Division play in basketball doesn't really matter anymore. It doesn't affect your seating or home court advantage like it used to years ago. But it's kind of interesting to just look at um, how they stack up against some of these teams because there's some interesting you know young teams on the rise in the Pacers and Pistons, 
And then you have some of those, I guess we can define them as upper crust. I mean, top four last year in the Eastern Conference and the Bucks and the Cavs. I don't know how you want to do this, Drew. Do you want to just kind of each give our, our own power rankings, do a combined power ranking? What what are you thinking? Um, I guess we could give our give our own, see if we if we are aligned and what and how we think things will shake out. All right, cool. You went first when we were doing our power rankings for role players. So you mm-hmm. want to switch it up this time? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. So again, when we look at the Central Division, that's the Bucks, the Cavs, the Bulls, the Pacers, the Pistons. That's how it ranked last year from one to five. I guess we'll go in reverse order. We'll go from bottom to top. I think for me, I would put the Pistons fifth still, but definitely on the rise. Like that's a team that, you know, I think by the end of the year, it could be very similar to how we saw the Orlando Magic season end where, you know, they got hot at a good time and then just decided to to sit everyone back so they can get better position in, in the draft. But I could definitely see that happening with the Pistons where, you know, they could maybe catch a heater and some of those young pieces could kind of start coming together. So um, while they're, I put them fifth in a power ranking, I, I think they're definitely on the, on the rise. They have a lot of intriguing young pieces on that team. This is where it gets a little tricky for me. <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> so let me, let me, for this power ranking, does it necessarily have to match standings or could it be like more in terms of how they could be trending by the end of the season? Like, does, I don't know if that makes any sense. I'm, tr- I think I'm trying to talk myself into making a bold prediction. Just go ahead and say it. You want to put the Pacers at the top of the division? No, not the top. <laughs> not the top. I, I, I I'm going to keep it as it. I'm going to put. I'll, I'll keep the Pacers at four. But again, I think they're going to make their way into the at least the play-in territory. Like I think they're going to be again. Arrow, I think, will be pointing up by the time we get to the end of the season. We're going to say, "Ooh, that team." Wait until. 2025 like you know how yeah. we, a lot of people are talking about Oklahoma City Thunder and you know the step they took last year and, and getting into the play and they were like hey this is a fun team Man. that's what I think we're going to say about the Pacers by season's end so yeah. I think a very long-term solid number four in the power rankings my third team, I'm going to keep the Bulls at three. So where they finished in the standings in the division. But, you know, again, I like the moves they made in a vacuum. I think they're poised to at least be a little bit more competitive this year. So I'll keep them at number three, smack dab in the middle, mediocre as usual. Um, <laughs> Of course, I had to make a backhanded compliment. Um <laughs> Number two, I'll go with the Bucks. I oh. I think the I think the Bucks are slated to take a step back this year. And you know, we talked about like bold predictions to take a big step back. I think the Bucks will take a step back. I actually think that the team that I'm gonna put ahead of them is actually just gonna finish with a slightly better record. And I, I think this team is poised for a flare up year, and that's the Cavs, and I got them at one. So wow. 
Oh, okay. I I got I got the Cavs number one in the Central Division power rankings. I think some of the moves they made bringing in you know Struess into the picture. I think Donovan Mitchell still poised to you know continue to bring this team up and raise all boats. I know they lost against the Knicks in the opening round. I think it was a tough matchup, but I just get the sense that Cleveland's ready to to take a, a decent step this year. So getting a little bold here. I'm going to have Cleveland one, Bucks two, Bulls three, Pacers four, Pistons five. Wow. I like it. I like it though, man. Stepping out on the limb. Mm-hmm. And again, I think Bucks, I just feel like it's a team that you can also see taking a slight step back. Like, Here's the thing, Drew. They could easily be like a 55-win team, but I could still see Cleveland winning 58-59. Like, wouldn't shock me. So mm-hmm. it's just one of those scenarios, too, where, like, there's still some feeling about the Bucks too. Like, are they some of those key players like Middleton and, and Lopez and, and, you know, Holiday? They're getting older. Like, at some point, like, I'm not saying the bottom has to completely fall out, but do they start kind of regressing just a little bit? So, and yeah. again, how long will it take them to get their footing with the new head coach and, and all of that? So I don't know, just, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb. So give I me like the, the top of the division in the power ranking and the top of the central division power rankings, Cleveland Cavaliers. Okay. Okay. Well, you, you have provided the fun in this exercise because I am, going to be boring and say that it falls exactly the same way it did last season. Although I will say the distance between each team, I think narrows. I don't think um, that there'll be a seven game gap between the first and second place team and yeah, um, the how it fell down the line. You know, I think the, I think the Bucks still until further notice until somebody knocks Giannis and company, off the Central Division Hill, they'll they'll continue to reign supreme. I think they'll be followed by the Cavs, the Bulls, the Pacers, and the Pistons. Hmm. You know, you bring up a really good point there, and I, and I should have set this up by reading the just the standings. Like, you know, the Bucks were fifty eight and twenty four, Cavs fifty one and thirty one. Then the Bulls, you know, down to forty and forty two, Pacers thirty five and forty seven, and then the Pistons seventeen and sixty five. So I agree with you, like. I think it maybe gets a little bit tighter. Um, and I definitely think tighter within that three, four, five. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with you on that. Like it, I think it will be like a little more neck and neck. Um, so yeah, it's just, um, it, it would have been interesting to see, like, let me ask you this question, Drew. If the Pacers decided not to, essentially tank towards the end of the year, I guess like just kind of sat everybody knowing like, all right, we're probably not like, do we really want to get into this playing tournament or have a shot at, you know, striking gold in the lottery. And they, they went that route. Do you think that would have, would have changed like their last 10 games? Cause they I think finished the year three and seven. So do you think maybe if they chose to maybe come out a little bit more competitive, do you think, they could have passed up the Bulls or at least made it a little more interesting? Uh, I, th- I think so. I think so for sure. Because um, they had the tiebreaker know, on the Bulls. Yeah, and, and Halliburton was 
you know, all NBA. Did he, did he make the all NBA team this past season? I can't remember. If he didn't, he was certainly all NBA caliber. And every time mm-hmm. he played, it was just a different team on the floor. Um, and you add in uh, Bruce Brown and Obi Toppin to that mix with what they've already got going on. I think this, you know, as we've been saying ad nauseum, this podcast and everyone we've done so far this summer, like the Pacers on paper should be um, an improved team. And to your earlier point about Cleveland and your prediction that they are going to be at the top of the division this upcoming season, they actually did finish with the best record within the division. They finished 13 and three. Mm -hmm. Um, The Bucks were 11 and five. So, um, I mean, more, more, more reason to 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 you know lay down money on on Matt's Matt's guess here. Yeah. <laughs> well, you never want to come to me for your your betting advice. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> so, kind of interesting. He okay. So Tyrese Halliburton was not all NBA. He was an All Star last year, but it felt like like shoot, he could be all NBA this year. I guess. If you were to make a, a bet this year, maybe that's a bet you should make. Like I like that. A potential like all NBA. Like if there's any odds on that, that would be interesting. So also one last thing on Halliburton. His tweet that he dropped when he got his extension. If you're a fan of pro wrestling, like like I am, it made me crack up so much. <laughs> um, he just sent the you know great clip of you know, the million dollar man, Ted beat Ted DiBiase laughing. And I thought that was just so, so freaking perfect. Like just laying into the fact he now has generational wealth. I thought it was awesome. <laughs> indeed. Indeed, man. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess before we wrap up here. So I, that was a fun exercise. I actually really enjoyed that because uh, I think it really does paint a picture of like, the gaps maybe closing in, in that division a little bit. And it, it could be, you know, a place where, you know, it could be one of the, the tougher groupings of teams in, in the Eastern conference, maybe over time. So kind of interesting to, to do that. But um, as we wrap up here, Drew, is there anything on your mind that you want to get to bulls related NBA related? Yeah. So you and I touched on this off camera, just about, Giannis Antetokounmpo again kind of coming out there and letting it be known that while he is currently a Milwaukee Buck, he also is somebody who, you know, proclaims himself a winner. He has the the hardware to back that up. And he also wants to remain in winning situations moving forward, whether that be with the Bucks or any other team. And of course, that set off Firestorm on on Twitter, particularly Bulls Twitter, you have a certain portion of fans who, you know, are keeping their fingers, toes and eyes crossed that maybe Giannis could one day be in Bulls colors. And you got another faction of fans, (laughs) the Matt Pecks and Mark K's of the world who don't really see a path to the Bulls getting Giannis Antetokounmpo. And I think that I fall into their category more so than the former. And there's different reasons why I believe that. I think the biggest of them all is 
you know, who would the Bulls have to give up to get Giannis? And at that point, what would be his incentive to sign here? You know, for for a situation that was is going to give him a chance to win an uh, a championship. I just it's tough for me to envision that. Again, this I think two years off, two years away. It's still down the line a bit, and things can change between now and then. But I just don't see the pathway to that happening, unfortunately, because anytime the Bulls have had a generational type player, uh, Michael Jordan, a Derrick Rose, <laughs> potentially a Giannis Antetokounmpo. <laughs> you know, they, they've done special things. Um, obviously with Jordan, uh, we never got to see exactly what would have become of the Derrick Rose led Bulls, but I just don't think that's in the cards for, um, for our Bulls. I mean, I think the only way it's in the cards and um, I, I think the only way you can pull it off is is if he hits free agency. Like I think that's the only way you could do it. Like if you try to to make moves, I mean you you'd have to hope, man. All of your young players turn a new leaf. Zach maintains all star status into his thirties, um, and that's asking a lot. So yeah, the only path that I think makes any sense is if it's really after the. 2025 season when he can opt out but you know, even then we don't we don't know where the bulls are going to be at that point now look i'm one of those people i'm crossing everything i'm trying to cross my balls if i can but <laughs> it's please please don't do that man please <laughs> no i mean look i'm willing to go up eight octaves <laughs> if it means getting Giannis. um my wife might kill me um but you know i i of course say that in jest but it's yeah, like I'd love to have you honest. You know how much I, I get on this podcast and I talk about how I want all these star players and I would do everything to move heaven and earth. Oh yeah. It, it's it's gonna be hard. Like, even if he wanted to come here, that's hard to kind of pull off. Like, think about it. You'd have to if if you're doing it via trade, right? Like Again, you have to have everything kind of all the stars align and, you know, be able to have the the draft capital to make it work. And that's also a problem. So, yeah, it's. I love it, even if you wanted to come here, like. It's hard to hijack teams these days and say, like, I want to force my way only to that team and no other team can come and get me like that rarely happens anymore, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, even when it, I feel like when somebody does try to pull that shit, usually what ends up happening is another team swoops in and says, well, wait a minute, hold on. We can give you a more competitive situation and we can have the assets to get you over here faster. So yeah, I don't, I don't see that ever coming to fruition as much as I love it to. And you know, that's painful probably for me to say, but. Yeah. And I looked this up on um, spot rack earlier. I, I believe the bulls, I don't, you know, things can change, of course, like we said earlier. But I don't think the Bulls would be a cap space team at that point. Um, mm -hmm. If I think the the most practical projected cap, cap space they would have is, I think, $56 million. Mm -hmm. That's not calling for, you know, a Patrick Williams deal that, that may come here um, during the season or in the summer. 
And for Giannis to hit unrestricted free agency, he would have to decline his $51 million player option in mm-hmm. 25-26. So I don't know, man. Yep, exactly. <laughs> and you would even need, like, you probably would have to pull off a signing trade, and that's going to be harder nowadays. So, yeah. 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 I mean, hey, again, maybe they just need to, uh, I don't know, try to find easier routes to rectify the situation instead of just uh, being like Matt Gentile and hoping for a star. <laughs> maybe not a great strategy. Um, so I guess aside from Giannis, though, um, anything else that you want to cover with with bulls nation any any Bo, you want to put on the discussion or are you good just saying you know what matt let's let's end this this fucker i i think we i think we hit it all i think i think we hit it all you got something else on your mind i got you know honestly i am just ready to get into like the the throes of <laughs> of training camp and preseason like we were talking about with like the whole bears fiasco like and I again like I'm gonna still continue to watch football, but I think I'm ready for some. I think I'm ready for some basketball. I'm ready for some games on the court. It was nice actually even watching some of the World Cup despite the issues with Team USA. But you know even watching some of the, of that kind of got my juices flowing to you know start seeing some some Bulls basketball again, some NBA. Yeah, man. Same same here. I, it's it's weird because this felt like this NBA offseason has kind of been flying by between workout videos and trade mm-hmm. signings and um, trade demands. But now it's kind of like at a standstill. It feels like, you know, we're watching paint dry now. I feel like any time after like the, the free agency rush after that, like first week or second week, it just, drags and drags and i think the lack of movement with dame lillard i think that actually put a a major stop to the offseason it kind of reminds me of what happened last year when you know the the durant domino didn't fall it kind of held everything up and we had a very like slow end of the offseason i think we're getting some of that again this year yeah most definitely Mm -hmm. definitely well, it was good talking to to you about just the schedule and and doing the the central division exercise, getting into some of the the conversation about Nerlens and campaign and even Giannis. It was a fun day, Drew. It was a fun day. It Very, was. I think I think you and I needed this as, as yeah. two people who are fans and coming off of that debacle on Sunday, you needed something a little more optimistic to talk about let's have a little fun yeah mm. cleanse the palate that's there what this go. was it was a palate cleansing episode <laughs> yes it was so hey look if you want to cleanse the palate with us more often <laughs> be sure to follow us i'm at mgentile 88 on twitter x drew is at look what drew did revealable podcast is at rebuild underscore a underscore bull that's where you can get the latest episodes as they drop you also can get the latest episodes by subscribing or following us. And that you can do on all of the major streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, all of those places you get your podcast. 
You can find the Revotable podcast there and get the latest episodes right at your fingertips. With Drew Stevens, I'm Matt Gentile. We'll catch you next time, Bulls Nation. Thank you for listening to the Rebuildable Podcast. Be sure to check us out and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever else you stream your podcasts.